Hello and welcome to Not My Monkeys. If you're here, it either means that you love circus and you can't wait to hear all the helpful hints and no-nonsense talk about the art form that you adore, or you have no idea about circus and you just want to get a head start seeing as your grandma's bought you those Cirque du Soleil tickets for Christmas. Either way, you're in the right place. We're here to hold up the edge of the big top canvas and let you wiggle inside. We'll be revealing things that you didn't even know about the absolutely bonkers and beautiful world of circus. Welcome back! It's episode three! Welcome! Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Oh, it's so good to have you here and listening to us after all this time. Where have we been and what have we been up to? We just, we're going to tell you. (laughs) So you're listening to Ruby and Rosie, if you haven't heard us before. Um, Yeah, we've had a bit of a break, but we're going to let you know what we've been up to in that break. So what have we been doing? Well, we've been, we haven't just been sitting around playing Animal Crossing and like collecting cool feathers that we find and making a little picture out of them. (laughs) We have been working tirelessly. In fact, we made a whole other series of a podcast. We did. It was <laughs> it was for Circus Talk, who, if you haven't heard about, is an online platform. And they started a podcast called Circus Voices. And we did a series for them called Monkey See, Monkey Discuss, if you see what we did there. We like monkeys, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we like monkeys. So it was just four short episodes and it's just us two talking. So it's no interviews, but we cover just a couple of hot topics. So we talk about COVID-19, we talk about robots, we talk about ageism and we talk about clowns. So yeah, go search Circus Voices on your usual podcast platforms and have a listen to those. They are, if I do say so myself, just short and sweet, concise little episodes where it makes you go, huh. Ah. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of like a a bit interested but also um confused (laughs) (laughs) only a bit interested though we don't want to blow our trumpet no and i would also like to say that we chose some really fun topics because two of them i would say are kind of like things that needed to be discussed and another two of them were just like fun things it's like oh yeah i never thought of that so like covid19 and the ageism that you get in circus were like huh, why is no one like really talking about these? Mm, so quite political. Which, yeah, and pretty like hot topics at the moment. Whereas like the new technologies of like, will, will a circus be made using all robots? Is that even really circus? And then talking about clowns and like a modern day representation of them was just really, really fun and like goofy. So check them out. Yeah, and also we've got a brand new website, mm. which we're really excited <gasps> about. Oh, damn, a brand new website. <laughs> so shout out to Cal Courtney for that. <laughs> oh, thank you, Cal Courtney, you rock. <laughs> it was designed with accessibility in mind, so you can find transcripts of every episode. And we've also got just extra reading, like links to videos, information about the people that we mm-hmm. talk to, info about us. Mm-hmm. And we've got like links to all the places you can listen, our social media pages and our Patreon page if you're feeling generous. So yeah, let's get on with the episode. Okay, so episode three, what's it even going to be about? We've decided it's going to be about costume. Yay! (laughs) Yep, so just like how episode two was all about juggling, we've got our theme and topic for today is circus costume. 
yeah, so this whole episode, we're going to have like a bit of a chat about some fun costume things. Then we're going to have an interview with a costume maker. So someone who's made a whole bunch of things for circus performances all over. And then we'll have a little bit of a history rundown of some clown costumes. Pretty exciting. Sounds great. Yeah, so we thought it would be funny to ask people to send in their costume fails on social media. And we got some great responses. Because if we asked them their successes, that would be boring. We want the fails. (laughs) Exactly. That's the stuff we're here for. And we got some really good responses. So like Logan told us about splitting his trousers on stage. Rue told us a story about them wearing a halter neck leotard with buttons that came undone when they took a bow. So their boobs Mm -hmm. fell out. And Sedona bought an outfit online, didn't try it out before the gig, and then when doing some contortion, again, her leotard split. So we really enjoyed hearing about those. Thanks for sending those Mm -hmm. in. Those are some great stories, and can I just add, absolute classics. (laughs) You know, the trousers splitting, boobs coming out. Uh, I think they're pretty standard, and most people will have have had that kind of costume mishap Mm. happen to them at some point. And that's something that I'm glad that you... uh, covered a little bit in the interview that's coming up is just like the practicalities of the costumes because you know you don't want it to be uh, a life-threatening practicality that's being involved in your costume you know some people with the fire and the the dangerous um, equipment and stuff you know but we'll get to that we'll get to that have you have you ruby seeing as you managed to ask a few people a few unsuspecting innocents on the internet (laughs) about their unfortunate happenings with costume now you must share one yourself seeing as you know you lured them in i think it's only fair so yeah i have also had my fair share of costume fails so i was performing at a small festival and i was dressed as a mermaid it was raining but we were still going ahead with the show. So it's already a bit of a difficult show. Um, and so I'm on the trapeze and I was doing barrel rolls, which is a move that is basically like doing forward or backward rolls around the bar. Uh, and at my the top of my tail <laughs> got caught around the bar. So I was stuck. Your mermaid tail. <laughs> my mermaid tail, exactly. And it meant that the top of the tail was sliding down. Everyone behind me could see my bum. Luckily, the audience was in front, but it did take a while for me to wiggle myself out. So yeah, fun times. I, I definitely know the struggle. Uh, the worst part of that is that you you ruined the illusion that you were a real mermaid because mermaids shouldn't have bums. <laughs> yeah, until that moment, everyone was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> But that is the power of a great costume. Can we not agree that, you know, we everything that uh, is a performance uh, takes great pride in costume, you know, and even if that is having no costume, so taking a minimalistic approach, like that's an important decision as well because we all know how impactful it is to step out on stage. What you're wearing or what you're not wearing, like say so much and it's very, very important. Do people in circus think about that enough, do you think? Possibly not really. Maybe that comes down to a budget issue <laughs> with circus, with people not having enough funding. But Maybe. I was going to say, do you think it's like a little bit of like a, a tradition-y kind of thing? Because I feel like you could say the same with magicians. You kind of have like the types of costume you can wear and then anything else, people just don't buy it. They don't see it as something you can wear as a magician on stage. You can Mm. wear the shirt and the tie and be really smart. You can wear like, you know, you could go Darren Brown with it and just, you know, have like a colourful shirt maybe and rolled up sleeves. You could, 
sort of street magic it but you can't wear anything else you don't really get away with it apart from piff the magic dragon he can wear a giant <laughs> dragon costume but he's the only person that i've seen break that kind of thing and i think that circus is a bit the same we're all a bit stuck a little bit in what people expect to see a trapeze person wear or what they expect to see a hula hooper or a juggler wear yeah definitely there's probably that pressure to be all in in sequins and leotards and all of that and then on the other hand people wearing uh, what they would maybe imply as a minimalist costume, but then that can be overdone as well. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a really important thing because it's it's communicating whether you like it or not. Mm. And I think it's interesting that the minimalistic approach is sometimes a, it's almost like the backlash to the traditional approach. It's like, oh, you expected me to come out in sequins and this all glamorous, like, oh, what with feathers in that bit in my hair? But well, I'm not, I'm coming out in just a skin coloured like top and shorts like that's it um but but there was no real choice for that the only choice was to not be what is tradition like to be not what is expected it doesn't you know sometimes it's not enough to have that as your only reason so I think that's pretty interesting as well yeah for sure and I, I think it's definitely something that any performer should think about and yeah, I've, I think it's an interesting topic and I don't really know much about it either. So I interviewed somebody who did. We spoke to Georgia Burgess. Oh, great. Phew. <laughs> Thank God. Who's the maker. <laughs> it's not just going to be us talking about things that we don't actually know about. Oh, thank goodness. No, we got the expert in. <laughs> so I interviewed Georgia um now, obviously, it's during COVID, so the interview had to take place over the internet. So it was just me interviewing this time. Um, but yeah, let's hear what she had to say. So this episode is all about costume, and I'm chatting to costume maker Georgia Burgess. We're not related as far as we know. <laughs> I'm here with my potential relative. <laughs> so firstly, thanks for chatting to me today. No worries, good to be here in my shed. <laughs> <laughs> so I first met Georgia when I was doing some work for Cirque Bajou. Uh, we were at a festival and she was in charge of like 20, 30 people's costumes and doing a lot of quick problem solving and helping me change from like a banana split into a prawn <laughs> into a shepherd <laughs> really quickly. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to have on today. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Very weird. So firstly, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into costume? Um, yeah, so I'm um, a costume maker. Um, I'm also a dresser in my local theatre as well, the Bristol Hippodrome. Um, but yeah, I got into costume. I was at college and I did such a fun course. It was um, an art and design course for people that don't really know what they're doing yet. And you just get to try a bit of everything like photography and ceramics and you know drawing and just all of it really um but yeah they had um they had a few sewing machines and um yeah I just sort of was playing around on that a lot and just, just really enjoyed it and I sort of got to the end of college and I was like I don't really know what I'm gonna do now but I like playing around on this sewing machine I was like the, the fashion industry doesn't really appeal to me that much but I know that I really like sewing and making clothes and yeah, I was I was at the cinema um, with my friend. And we were watching. Do you remember that Snow White and the Huntsman remake a few years ago? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, not an amazing film, but the costumes <laughs> in it were really good. Mm. And I just had this, yeah, proper light bulb moment of like, 
that's a job that's yeah. a thing costume it's these costumes didn't get there themselves it's someone made those someone did those i just sat there looking at charlie's theron dressed as a witch like bing <laughs> <laughs> i can sort of make clothes but in that context so yeah i just sort of yeah i just realized that was an industry a job so i looked into it and i realized that you could go off and study it and so then how did you get involved in circus costumes in particular? Um, when I was at uni, my uh, there was a couple of people mm. in the year above me and they were uh, working on this dress and I was just asking what they were up to. And they said, oh, we've got this, um, got this gig coming up uh, in a few weeks' time in Bristol, um, which is where I'm from, because I went to uni in Bournemouth. They were doing this show and I was like, well, I'm, I'm from Bristol, I'm going to sounds really good I'll go back home for the weekend and I'll come and watch this show and it was just insane it was just a huge projection against the warehouse um, yeah Jade and uh, Kareen on, on up on the wire and all the LED umbrellas and oh yeah so he, he does does he do tight wire and she does trapeze underneath or something yes she like dangles from underneath he's like riding a bike across a wire and she's dangling from underneath very him cool. and I just thought oh my god like if I can where do I sign up this looks so much fun so I yeah so I I am um, in the in the summer that year I sent an email to Sukbaju saying that I'm a I'm studying costume at uni and I'm, I'll be in Bristol all summer if you want to sort of someone to help if you've got any costume things I can help out with I'm around <laughs> and yeah and they got me sort of got me involved that summer in in, in quite a lot of projects actually and how would you say the circus world differs from like more theatre costumes and other stuff that you've done? Um, well, it's just the, like the practicality of it. It's sort of not, it's not enough for it to just look good. It has to, maybe you're doing aerial, so you have to have some holes in the side or at the front for the carabiner for your harness, or maybe you're getting near fire, so you, you know, it can't be head to toe in synthetics. So you might, you know... Yeah, the practicality level. I really enjoy that challenge, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember when I first started volunteering and getting these costume jobs in the circus, because that is just not something that I've ever worked with at all. Like, I haven't didn't do sort of circus skills myself growing up or anything. Um, I would, you know, if I if I was doing a job and I knew that someone was going to be um, doing doing aerial, I would ask them like, "What have you got? Some bullet points of things like particular notes that I should." look out for with when I'm doing your costume and people would say like yeah like nothing too nothing too baggy that could like wrap around the bar or nothing too dangly that could get caught or anything have you ever had any disasters disasters definitely <laughs> all the time um oh I had a terrible one um I was doing some costumes for this um private party and I made five of these mummy costumes because like it was like an Egypt themed party and so for the mummies I got you know you know morph suits yeah I got five of those like flash colored ones cut the faces out of them uh tore up loads of strips of calico loads of cotton I put a bit of like gold and stuff on it to jazz it up but I realised that I couldn't sew that those cotton strips on because I didn't get a chance to have a fitting with them beforehand. So I thought if I sew all this stuff on, it won't be stretchy and 
it might not fit them. So I was like, it's mummies, it's fine. They've got the morph suits and we'll just wrap the cotton stuff around them beforehand. What could go wrong? And it was, <laughs> so they, they brought the time of the show forward by like half an hour. And I was like, oh, uh, kind of need that half hour, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so got them and it was, once they were in those costumes, they were in, like you couldn't just then go for a quick wee or something. So I was like, right, everyone go for a wee and then we're gonna go. And we were wrapping the cotton around them and it was just unraveling. And it oh, was just, no. just, none of it would stay put. <laughs> and I, <laughs> none of it would stay put. And I was like, you know, they were dancing. So I didn't want to put too many safety pins in them because in case they pop open and I like, stab someone and, <laughs> It just, oh god it was just so bad and me and my friend who was there helping me were just frantically wrapping cotton around these girls and like can you and they were all doing it on themselves and it was just like right they need to go now and I was following them I was, follow, I was behind them following them with all these safety pins like sticking safety pins into people like no <laughs> and I was just sat backstage just with my head in my hands with these like fireworks going off above my head just like oh my god just picturing them on stage just completely unraveling uh, it must be hard when you can't um actually see if it's working on stage if you're just backstage and you're just having to hope that it's going okay <laughs> <sighs> it was the longest 10 minutes of my life it was horrible <laughs> so that's that's quite a lot of weird weird things that you've done but what would you say is the strangest request that you've ever had for a costume strangest request by far is um a jetpack man um he <laughs> again it was another it yeah it was a sacrifice show um there was a lot going on and one of the parts of the show the like finale of it was this man flying in a jetpack wow but he would always do his flights in the daytime but he wasn't normally part of like shows like he yeah so yeah he just had like a normal like black boiler suit yeah my boss was like we need to make him visible at night because he's gonna be it's gonna be dark it's gonna be nighttime he'll just look like a flying rucksack if we don't sort of light him up and yeah we were i was talking to him about how we could illuminate him in the sky and <laughs> we were we put bike like bike lights on his belt loops um i think we turned his boiler suit inside out because the inside of it was like silver foil uh james one of the technicians with us he had this like foil tape when we were like sellotape like putting it onto his boots and he was like no that won't that won't last two seconds because like the pressure of the jetpack out the back it'll just blast it all off wow and yeah i think james also put some like some led lights on his helmet and yeah he just looked like a robot really but i yeah i was just stood there and you know when you sort of take a step outside of yourself and you look at what you know, what is happening i'm at work talking about how to light up a man that's going to fly through the sky in a jetpack what is my job <laughs> <laughs> so obviously uh we're doing this interview you're in your shed i'm in my attic <laughs> um and, and people who are listening will probably also be in isolation at the moment um so it's just wondering if you've got any ideas about things that people could do to work on costumes while they're in isolation yeah God, there's so much you could do for like most people that don't don't have a sewing machine or 
whatever you can like raise your or if you've got kids you can like raise raise your recycling bin you could it's also summer you could like work on your summer wardrobe um you could like you know cut your cut your cut your jeans cut your sleeves off things cut your neck out things you could just go out your wardrobe with scissors yeah just go out your wardrobe with scissors <laughs> I spoke to my boyfriend the other day and he was like showing me his new like customised top that he'd cut the sleeves out of and he basically doesn't own anything with sleeves now. <laughs> I printed some tops the other day. I bought got some paper off of off of Amazon, you know, so you could get that. Yeah, rage rage a recycling bin, that's what I <laughs> Reuse, recycle. You have to be very resourceful, don't you, with, with costume thinking on the spot. If it's like you sort of imagine it's the kind of thing that's a lot of pre-planning and you forget that actually with like live performance costume that you actually just need to be ready to sort of make a change last minute or solve a problem really quickly a lot of the time. Exactly. I like that about costume, actually, like looking around you like, right, OK, I need to make a headdress. What What have I got? It sounds like, though, you, you started early with this sort of thing, like you were telling me the other day about your first pair of high heels. <laughs> Cheers, Ruby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is where how I got into costume. Um, I don't know, I was probably like, I don't know, eight or something. And I, I don't know what it is about high heels when you're a kid, but... There's just something so appealing about them. They just look like so much fun. You just want to put a pair on and just trot around in high heels, don't you? So I asked my mum if I could have a pair. And she was like, no, you're eight years old. I'm not buying you high heels. <laughs> so I was like, fine, I'll just make some. And, oh, God, Ruby. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, I <laughs> made a pair of... They actually functioned as well. I made a pair of wedges out... This is something that you could do if you're stuck at home. You can make a pair of wedges out of cardboard. I got, I've got two younger brothers. I got some of their like wooden building blocks. That was the wedge inside. I drew around my uh, feet. Got some white cardboard. Got my ink stamper set out and st- you know decorated it. Laminated it all in sellotape so that you know the cardboard wouldn't get all shredded up. See, I there's there's no way I would have thought of that when I was eight. <laughs> That's just how stubborn I am. Um, yeah, yeah, so I made this fully functioning pair of wedges and I was like, ha, you know. <laughs> and my mum was like, you stubborn little weirdo, what have I created? <laughs> and I wore them around the house for eight, they lasted for ages. That's great. Uh, another good question. <laughs> another good question. <laughs> I've got so many good questions. Be just, <laughs> I'm really good at questions. <laughs> Have you got a while? Because I've got so many good questions. <laughs> I've got forever because I've got no work. <laughs> what costume would you really like to make or to have made? Ooh. Um, I think a couple of years ago... I worked on um, Wicked at the Hippodrome. I was uh, dressing on it. Oh, that's cool. And just those costumes are just absolutely insane. They are like, they're not costumes. They're like full on couture. (laughs) Um, We had 
like a 20 minute lesson into how to hang this just how to hang this stuff up because it's also weird and heavy um that if you just you know hung it up by its shoulders it would all stretch out but yeah they were just they were just so beautiful i can't think of like a specific costume but yeah same for the lion king as well we did that we had the lion king at, um at the end of last year and they were just something else, aren't they? Because they're, they're a cross between puppets, aren't they? They cross over into puppets, and yeah, those are cool costumes. Just and some and some of them are just so simple as well. Like obviously, a lot of them are really com- are quite complicated, but just like the um, the rhino, it's just two people stood either end of this rhino puppet, and it's just balanced on their shoulders, and it's just this rhino torso and head, and they they bob along. Those rhinos. <laughs> for for those because you can't see, Georgia is wobbling from side to side, <laughs> doing a rhino impression. Doing my rhino walk. Yeah, I think just making. I don't know. It'd be so much fun to get in with those makers, you know, on 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 that level. But you've got to be really good, you know. I'm making stuff out of cardboard. <laughs> don't knock the cardboard. <laughs> the cardboard is good. Um, another weird question if you're a if you're a piece of clothing what would you be and why a piece of clothing oh me what would I be I recently got um for my birthday I got this um like cowboy jacket it was like brown, brown suede with these tassels all across the front and all Ooh. all down the sleeves and all across the back. Um, yeah, I'd be a tassely cowboy jacket, I think. Amazing. Yeah, I've also just got. I also got a fringe cut recently, so I looked like my jacket. <laughs> so I am a tassely jacket. <laughs> like, like how people look like their dogs. You look like your jacket. That's exactly what I said. When jackets look like their owners. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much for chatting to us today. That's a lot to think about. Oh, yeah, it's been been so much fun. You've got a lot of good questions, Ruby, if you've got... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm George Burgess, and you're listening to Not My Monkeys podcast. So I just wanted to let you guys know about this super cool scheme going on at the moment in the world of circus. A juggler in America called Tom Wall has used his time to set up a fun and creative way to help people learn to juggle. Despite not being able to meet up with people and teach face-to-face, he's like a cross between the Tooth Fairy and P.T. Barnum. He's hiding those free juggling kits and instructions all over the USA, and you can donate to the project. You can help him spread more awesome juggliness. The juggling balls are handmade, carefully wrapped with the instructions for getting started, and then hidden somewhere in the community. That could be a local library swap box, or a school collection box, anywhere where someone might stumble upon it, all in the hopes of creating the world's newest juggler. To support this cause, head over to modernvaudevillepress.com slash sponsor. Cool, that was a really good interview, Ruby. I enjoyed hearing about all the cool things about costume. Thanks, yeah. Well, while you were off having fun discussing the the costumes of the present, 
I uh-huh. was uh, doing a little bit of digging and a little bit of looking at costumes of the past. Ooh. <laughs> of the past. That's me trying to be like an old-timey ghost. Of the past. So of all of the costumes in Circus, mm-hmm. Rosie, why did you choose to focus on clowns? I, well, I chose to focus on clown costumes because... Well, let me ask you this, Ruby. What is a clown? Just tell, just describe a clown to me a little bit here. Describe a clown. Okay, so red nose, big curly wig, massive mm-hmm. shoes, baggy mm-hmm. trousers, maybe some suspenders, lots of bright colours, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a flower that squirts water. <laughs> oh, yes, those are great. Now, what most people do when you ask them to describe a clown in any kind of context, they usually start listing off costume things, things that relate to what the clown look like rather than what the clown does. So they they don't tend to say things like they um, break up the acts or they, um, they often interact with the audience. They don't tend to focus on those uh. things. A lot of people, in order to quickly describe a clown or just to generally describe one, will say... You know, yeah, big hair, big red nose and big shoes and bright colours and things like that. They might even describe like not very um, commonly seen clowns. They might say, oh, like a black and white clown, like with the kind of uh, Chaplin look as a or as an August clown and things like that. And it's like, oh, OK, it's always like focusing in on how they look, though, which is interesting. And then when you speak mm. to people who maybe are clowns or are what I would maybe refer to as more educated in clowning, they often ignore the costume when you ask them to describe a clown and they say things that are about the physicality or the personality of clowning. Oh, that's interesting. It is. It's quite a distinction as well to be like, oh, well, now that I know about clowning, I don't mention what they wear because that's not here, neither here nor there. And other people that are like perhaps not uh, academics on the subject just tend to think of clowns with about the clothing so it's good to see the binary between that but also why is there a binary and why does it have to be separate why can't we both think of both and that's why i chose to talk about clowns a little bit because i think it's interesting i also think it's quite good to map these kind of things you know where did things start from and why do they wear the things they wear yeah that makes sense it does so when you were when you were doing your research how how far back did you look at clowns oh like to before the 1800s so I mean, I think people would call it the golden age of clowning is like that kind of time period when there was a lot of clown going on and when there was some of like the most popular and famous clowns when clowns reached really high heights of having their names on huge billboards in cities and people being very expecting of like clown performances, especially like in the biggest circuses and stuff like that. So mm. that's sort of around the time I'm going to be looking. Obviously, clowns go way way back and the idea of jesters and uh various different kinds of clowns is very old but i just sort of thought you know we don't need to look at the entire history of the world here (laughs) let's just keep it let's just keep it brief and nice one thing at a time so so this is a bit more sort of in the uk or the usa and that's around yeah 1800s okay yeah exactly and yeah i'm not even looking at clowns all over the world like don't get me started on like the native american clowns and the sort of uh, Middle Eastern clowns that come up with their costumes. There's some really cool things going on, but there's just so much to cover. Maybe we will get to that in another episode because I know, Ruby, that you have a lot of interesting uh, things to say about that as well. Anyway, back to fashion. (laughs) Let's talk fashion, people. (laughs) So when we're looking at clowns and their idea 
of clothing. We're looking at basically parallels, so an opposite. Um, when clowns are portrayed on stage, especially if they're in big groups or if they're in pairs where you have, or a trio, we have multiple clowns to look at, you're going to have one that uh, looks like something and then you're going to have the other portraying the opposite. So okay. let's say you have a rich-looking clown. Uh, even if that would be really garish and overly obvious and really stupid way of looking rich, like a ridiculously large fur coat or something like that, um, you would then have your other clown uh, portray the opposite, the parallel. So shabby, um, poor, and maybe a bit, you know, sort of rough around the edges with their costume and stuff like that. Right. You would also look at, yeah, that you're looking for an opposite basically, which if you are going into the full on investigation of clowning, that's looking at high status, low status, what that means to portray that on stage and get across the comedy effectively. But also with clothing, it just, it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing of that if you have say someone wearing a lot of red and green then by making someone wear yellow then yellow just becomes the opposite of whatever the red and green is like it's just it's just creating easy parallels Uh, so they use like juxtaposition exactly yeah Mm. it just it helps people keep track of things as well i think like often with like easy costuming and stuff like that and then um yeah so once we get past like just the basics of people having you know a tall clown and a small clown that would that always got like really big laughs as well and like just using general opposites to create comedy in the mid to late 1800s clowning saw like a big divide happening people were really taking the art form to different places and costume and fashion really reflected that when you're looking at things like the white face clown they have poise they have grace they have style in a way and almost wear like a uniform of clown if that makes sense. And you will recognise it. If I was to draw a little white coned hat or some pom-poms on things and like, you know, big shoes with gloves and stuff, you would be like, oh, I recognise that as a clown, of course. But then uh, alongside that, to sort of opposite it, the fashion became opposite as well. It was very like dishevelled and buffoonish. Right. Yeah, I mean, then let's start saying that we're going to get the tramp style clown coming out. And so that's in the late 1900s when lifestyles really change for people suddenly you start to see more homelessness and see more people on the streets and so then the clowns start reflecting that as well the hobos that are riding the rails and stuff and you start getting the tramp clown which is uh yeah obviously a very disheveled look looking um like they're just traveling from one place to the other and one of the most famous even though apparently it's all started in america one of the most famous of these tramp clowns is uh, from the uk that's charlie chaplin everyone mm. will know him and he's just got the uh down on his look kind of uh, kind of fashion about him you know he has got a bit of a suit and tails going on but it doesn't fit him it's very grubby and you know it's just not quite right and that's uh, that came okay. really into uh into fashion uh, in the early 1900s in cinema and like theatre as well I feel like Mr Bean is also that kind of guy because he wears like he's such like a tramp clown he's such a down on his look down and out guy isn't he and that's a really like modern clown that's the tramp clown yeah that makes sense it's that thing of tr- trying to be sort of high status but then tripping over their feet <laughs> yeah exactly like getting in their own way and yeah and you sort of but you feel sorry for them and like you you're still on their side they're not a bad guy they're just they've just got it wrong they're just naive i think and so then chaplin has things like a cane and a hat and stuff that i guess he used as props and 
exactly he you start seeing clowns using their costumes to their advantage of like you know he might have a, a hat that's too big for him but he can roll it down his arm and catch it on the other side and his cane's a bit wonky but he can twirl it around him in a really cool fashion you know not everyone can do the kinds of things he can do so he still has an ability and, and something of worth in him but it's just he's just uh yeah down on his look which is which is what people were rooting for. Then a lot of people were experiencing really hard times, and you know it wasn't easy for a lot of people who'd had it easy, and suddenly they realised that they had more in common with the people at the bottom than with the people at the top. And that's when clowns started to reflect that and say like, "Hey, yeah, I'm at the bottom, and life is really hard, and it's still going to be funny though." <laughs> okay, so then when do we get to see that sort of clown that I was talking about with the the big costume and the big colours? Yeah, well, you're talking about what people would call nowadays the grotesque clown. And that really came about uh, with full force when you start seeing the big tented circuses, like in the USA, when they had like thousands upon thousands of people watching. That's a huge ring that you need to cover. And a lot of the reasons for why they had huge big hair and massive bright colours all over them mismatched is just because then from very, very far away in the audience, you could still see the clown. It was very important to see them and to see what they were doing, running bound and trying to catch your eye and stuff like that so that's where a lot of those things come from and it's just become tradition from there you know there's a lot of other funny reasons it does look hilarious to have massive like crazy rainbow hair and to have <laughs> you know silly mismatched clothes but also a big part of it is then you get seen in those big rings and that's just as important yeah that's really interesting it's it's interesting that um it's actually out of practicality or necessity that maybe some of these costumes come about and like it's yeah it's interesting to hear how the costumes sort of reflect the time and reflect what was going on it seems like they often are quite a political role mm. and yeah it'd be interesting to see what's yeah what clowns look like sort of into the future oh that's a really good question what will clowns look like in the future i mean it's like you say it's interesting how they try to reflect the society that they're in you know what kind of society have we created the clowns that i'm seeing these days are have very simplistic clothing and are very like adaptable with their clothing as in that what they've chosen like can almost be used as a prop if needs be so mm. they've always got you know if they need to use their t-shirt to like stretch it around and make do something funny with their, their arms they can like that's that's a possibility so i think maybe like a multi-usedness of their costume and their props will start to combine which will be really cool and inventive i hope yeah oh that's really interesting if anyone has any ideas of what they think clowns are going to look like in the future send us in <laughs> an email and let us know because it'd be cool to know get in touch at notmymonkeys gmail.com tell us what will a clown look like in the future are clowns memes <laughs> <laughs> i just had to say that <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Not My Monkeys podcast. We hope you've had fun listening. We've enjoyed recording it. It's been cool. We'd love to hear what you thought about it. You can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram at Not My Monkeys podcast. Or send us an email at notmymonkeyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our brand new website, which is notmymonkeyspodcast.com, where we'll post information and links about our guests and what we've talked about in each episode, along with the transcripts. If you're a fan of this podcast, it would be amazing if you'd consider supporting us on Patreon. That's where you can choose an amount to donate each month. Your support really does make this podcast possible, and you'll also get access to some exclusive content and rewards. Join us for the next episode, where we'll look at the myths and misconceptions in circus. Thanks for listening. 
Bye. Thank you.